ladies and gentlemen, this is David Maricatani with another episode of Matt Chat. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by the newly appointed head coach of Iowa State University, Kevin Dresser. Coach, I know you're really crazy this time of the year. I appreciate you coming on the show. No, thanks for having me, David. Thank you. No, it's 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 my pleasure. Um, you know, your hiring and what's been going on up there in Ames since you've been hired has kind of been the talk of the wrestling community. I've been, you know, been hoping to be able to get you on, so I'm really excited. Uh, with a lot of guys like yourself, I'm always just interested in, you know, where you, where you began. So if you don't mind, just tell me how you got started in wrestling. Oh, wow. Way back then, huh? Um, (laughs) I, um, of course, probably no people know more now. So, but I grew up in Iowa and, uh, and I had a chance to start wrestling at a young age, like a lot of Iowa kids do. I was exposed to it probably at five or six years old. Started wrestling a little bit, uh, you know, maybe five, six weeks here and there, and, and obviously fell in love with the sport. By the time I got to the middle school, it was very important to me. Um, I played a lot of sports growing up in a, in a kind of a small town, but uh, <clears throat> ultimately wrestling is what um, you know I really fell in love with, and, and uh, you know went to went to high school and got the opportunity to wrestle four times in the state championships and placed all four and won it twice. So I had a really good. Um, Really good youth experience in Humboldt, Iowa. And when you were graduating, Iowa, Iowa State were both really good then. Um, you know, what what went into your decision-making process on where you were going to end up going to school? Well, probably like a lot of ga- kids, I think the fact that Iowa was recruiting me a lot harder than Iowa State at that time um, was, was, you know, and, and Iowa was really good that Iowa had just won my senior year, they had just won their fourth straight NCAA championship. So, you know, having Iowa recruit me was excited, but then to have a program that was the best program in the nation at that time recruiting me. Of course, Iowa State was right behind him in second or third. But, um, you know, and Iowa State had a really good guy at my weight. It was the same age, same weight, a guy named Joe Gibbons, who uh, did really good for them, was a four-time All-American and NCAA champ for them. So, that probably was a, a, a little bit of a reason why they didn't recruit me a lot. They did recruit me some, but Iowa really kind of got out and got after me early. Yeah, I'm an, I actually went to Iowa State coming out of high school, and Jim Gibbons was the head coach, and Joe was an assistant there. And, yeah, the, I remember some of the battles you and Joe had. So I, I, I was lucky enough last week to have Zeke Jones on the show, and he talked a little bit about Bobby Douglas and what he meant to him and his development and uh, just the the length and the arm, the band, almost the width of uh, Coach Douglas's coaching tree. You know how many guys he's coached and went on to be coaches. And I, you know, he actually mentioned he goes probably Coach Gable's the only guy that can compare to that. So your time there, you know, you know, walk us through like what did you learn from Coach Gable and that staff that helped you, you know, both as an athlete and then later as a coach. Well, I was there seven years, five years as an athlete, and two years as a uh, kind of a grad assistant Hawkeye Club guy. Um, and did various duties those two years, but so yeah, I got a chance to be around there a lot. You know, it was a great time to be there because uh, you know my senior year we won our ninth straight NCAA championship. So I was, you know, I think the number one thing that I'll always, now that I'm a coach, especially respect about Coach Gable um, as a coach was the fact of or what a great environment he put together. I mean, we had so many, you know, multiple-time All-Americans and multiple-time national champs and world team guys and Olympians. 
that just trained with us daily. And, and so you kind of take that for granted and you think everybody's got that. But then when you walk away and go somewhere else, you're like, wow, you know, you put that many good guys together. <laughs> and then of course his work, his, his work ethic was, uh, you know, thing, you know, wasn't anything technical, not that he didn't teach technical things. It was more of just, uh, just watching him individually as a, as a, you know, just the, the amount of work he put in, even in his own wrestling. And he was, he wasn't competing then. You, you go and you see a guy wrestle that hard, that long. Um, it, it's a motivator for you in a crazy way. And especially when, you know, Coach Gable was younger and he probably didn't talk as much. He, he just was a guy that came in there and put his shoes on like everybody else and tore to it. And, uh, that was, that was a, a great, great way to learn, uh, work ethic as well. Was he a guy at that stage of his career that was still strapping the shoes on and going live with you guys? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think he was in his late thirties. So yeah, he, he was still, the, I think he was still the king of the room to be quite honest. I saw him work over, you know, the Bannock brothers, uh, when they were at Iowa winning national championships. So that tells you just how, uh, Jeez. how tough, how tough he was, uh, at that particular time. Wow. Yeah. Guys didn't end up being Olympic champions, you know, at 198 and 220. That's kind of crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, help me a little bit with my history here, Coach. Were you there when uh, when Barry Davis was there and that whole story where Coach caught him, you know, buying groceries where he wasn't going to make weight and all that kind of stuff? Was that part of your? Yeah, time? I was a I was a year younger than Barry. I wasn't on the team that year. I was uh, uh, riding the bench that year. I was I wasn't the starter, so I was on that uh, the Barry Davis hunt that morning. We were all looking around for Barry that morning uh, <laughs> when the team had left for the Big Ten. So. I can't say that I found him. Gable got Gable found him somehow, but uh, I was on that Barry Davis hunt. <laughs> so the story went the way we've all heard it. Is it really pretty accurate? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, they went looking for him, and of course that was the day before cell phones and any technology, so you had to go run around from place to place. So <laughs> I remember we got a phone call in our dorm room that, hey, Barry, you got to go find Barry. So it was probably seven o'clock in the morning. Well, Gable just had happened to go into a grocery store, I think, to use a payphone. And uh he was walking in and Barry was walking out. <laughs> and uh Barry had a bag full of uh M- I think M and M's and Mountain Dew. And, uh, so <laughs> those are things to this day, two of the things I love the most. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, that's a great story. So it was all true. You know? <laughs> well when we talked a little bit off air getting ready for this, um you told me and I want, I don't want to, I want you to tell the story, but how far down the depth chart you were as a freshman and, and, you know, for those people that don't know, tell them how you ended up doing during your time at Iowa. I was, uh, let's see, uh, I, I think my freshman year, my, my true freshman year, I, there were seven guys on the ladder and I remember I got to the final spot, the final two spots and Lenny Zaleski, who was a three-time All-American in Iowa, and a couple, you know, the senior when I was a freshman was the number one guy. So getting to wrestle Lenny in the uh, inter-squad match, um, getting from wherever I was in that ladder, somewhere down there by seven to get up there, that was probably kind of, you know, that might have been the highlight of my uh, freshman year almost. But uh, so so I was, you know, there was a lot of people that wanted to be Hawkeyes back then, and there was a lot of good kids that walked on. And, um, I remember wrestling up a couple times Illinois State champ just to get to the third or fourth spot on the ladder, you know. Yeah. So it was a very competitive environment. I, I kid that, um, you know, things turned out well for me. I was a two-time Big Ten champ and got fourth as a junior and, and um, 
and won a national title as a senior. But the three years previous, of course, one of those being the redshirt year, I, I think I set the record for for losing wrestle offs uh, because uh, <laughs> I've been I, I to just, Carver I Hawkeye. I, I didn't see that banner up there for most no. wrestle offs lost. <laughs> well, that's what I tell my guys all the time. Now I said, you know, you can go from uh, if you come in and put your head down and work hard every day. You can go from nobody to somebody uh, in one year, and uh, I think that's probably the thing I had going for me was that I wasn't in a tough room, and I, I wasn't the greatest wrestler when I got there. I, I just competed really hard every day, and so I got better, and I learned, and, and uh, they did a great job of developing me, um, and I was around some great you know, grad assistants and Hawkeye Club guys that put a lot of time in with me, and uh, it, you know, I started, got my time, and Got my chance, and you know, but the guys that were beating me off the team were, you know, three and four time All Americans too. So, uh, but it, you know, ultimately, I think that's what made me tough. I mean, I think that you know, a lot of kids in this day and age want to come in and be the guy for four years and be the guy right away, and uh, that's nice. There's guys that can do that, but uh, there's a lot of lot to be said for guys that can hang in there a little bit. So, I'm probably just as proud of the fact that I stayed in there when uh, a lot of people were doubting me. Uh, than, than anything. Yeah, I think those guys that you're talking about are a lot of times are the glue of your program. You know, those are the guys that really work hard in the room and, you know, they'll jump up or down a weight if, you know, if somebody's injured and, but they bring a lot of value to the room. And it's interesting because you're, you're kind of both. I mean, you were that guy in the beginning and then obviously at the end, you know, achieved the ultimate goal in college of being a national champion. So it seems like you have a lot of not only sympathy, or I mean that's not the wrong word, but you can empathize with with guys at both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, and I really don't uh, don't feel sorry for, and I don't mean to sound harsh, but I don't feel sorry for somebody that comes in and doesn't you know doesn't get that spot right away. Right. I think there's something to be said to be fighting for that spot, and you know I know at Iowa State we want competition. You know I, I, we want you you come to Iowa State, we're not recruiting one guy away. We want guys that come in and, and are ready to battle and and uh, you know it kind of scares me when I talk to a kid and he's worried about who you're bringing in because uh, I can tell you I was never worried about that I felt like the more good guys we had in the room uh, the better I was going to be and so bring them on bring 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 all the good guys in there uh, but I don't know if we have that attitude across the board uh, much anymore I, I think that we need more of that and we need that competition to push us yeah it's, it's different I mean I'm you know I'm friends with a lot of high school guys and they'll call each other or text each other, whatever, and, and sometimes make sure they don't go and end up going the same weight so that, you know, you can be a state champion at this weight and I'll be a state champion at that weight. And it does seem like the older school mentality is like, look, I'm going to be here and you bring on whoever you want, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be the last man standing. Yeah. And I don't know if that's, you know, I think that, uh, I think it's just more about, and I agree with you. I don't disagree with what you said there. I think it's more about just, uh, you know, pre- preparation and being ready because when you get to the, when you get to Saturday at the NCAA championships, there's not, there's no fluff left over. So you better have been through a war if you want to be the guy that's still standing on Saturday night. You better been through hell. Yeah. If you haven't been through hell, you're not going to, you're not going to be the guy up there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron and you're right. Nobody lucks their way into the finals or even the all American rounds. So, um, so after Iowa, you know, you ended up being a high school coach out of Grundy and Christiansburg. How did a guy from Humboldt, Iowa, end up being a, a coach in Virginia? 
Well, like I mentioned, I was coaching, uh, or I was in Iowa City training in, in, in the Hawkeye Club, and I came into the office one day. I had a note to call a guy from Grundy, Virginia. I called the number and went out and interviewed it, interviewed for the job. Um, I wasn't making any money at the time and just kind of was at a place in my life where I was ready to make some money and do something different. And it was a great move. It was one of the best things I've ever done. I got completely out of my comfort zone, didn't know anybody, uh, didn't know how to coach at all. Um, but I got fortunate and, and got hired by a great, great uh, gentleman and uh, a great organization in Grundy, Virginia. And I uh, really kind of learned how to coach a little bit there. Not that you never quit learning, but I really had was forced for the first time to understand wrestling, all wrestling, not just what I was good at. Um, so it was a great, it was a great move. One of the best things I've ever done. I was there for eight years. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I know, and we're going to talk about the level of success you had there. But you had something that I never. I'm always interested when I talk to you guys. Somebody always says something I just never would have anticipated. And, you know, you said, I didn't know how to coach at all. And to me, that I'm sure it's the truth. I'm sure it's an honest answer, but it seems crazy when you were in the Iowa room for seven years, you know, five as an athlete, two as a, you know, grad assistant or, you know, training Hawkeye Wrestling Club guy. You're around arguably the greatest coach of all time. When you say I didn't know how to coach at all, what do you mean when you say that? Well, being a good wrestler and, and a good coach is, is, is different things. Um, and the thing you have to understand too is, is even though I was drilling with guys, uh, my last two years, they're kind of a, in, a, in a coaching role. You're drilling with, uh, you're drilling with the, some of the top level athletes in the United States. So the guys you're drilling with, they're fast, they're quick, they're strong. Most of them are. And so you're dealing with these guys and then you go take a job at a high school and you get dealt. 10 freshmen, 10 sophomores, 10 juniors, 10 seniors, all different skill levels. Obviously, they're not at the level of the kids that I was working with. So you have to come up with, you have to figure out how to coach and what do I teach and uh, what's going to win at this level and you got to learn the competition. And so there's a lot to go into it. You know, if you're in Pennsylvania, you're, you're got to be a different level of wrestling than if you're in Virginia. Um, and uh, so... It really, it really taught me to, to break down wrestling and, and to, to, to kind of come up with some systems and, and to be as efficient because you only get the kids in high school for, you know, you really get them two and a half hours a day right. um, at the most. And, uh, you know, in college, you get them a couple times a day. They get to go take a nap. They get a rest. Um, in high school, you get them after they've been in school all day long, and you got to figure out how to squeeze two more hours out of them. <laughs> um, so yeah. it's not as easy said as done. Yeah, I, I think. You know, I have a lot of respect for club coaches, little league coaches, high school coaches. Guys, I think the best guys at that level are really teaching the, you know, fundamentals and even higher level techniques so that when, you know, you know, I coached in college for a long time and guys like you, when you get them, that a lot of the groundwork has been laid. What, what I find interesting is I, I can think of, you know, guys like yourself, Steve Martin, Heath Esslinger. I don't know if I'm, I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but that, the guys that are Division One head coaches that came from the high school ranks is is pretty rare. And uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. So can you talk about that a little bit about you know what advantages you think you have from that and why do you think it's it isn't more common? You know, I think my hire and I think some of the names you mentioned, opportunity was probably the biggest thing. I mean, there's some great high school coaches out there that could definitely coach at the college level. I think in, you know, some of the names you mentioned that, you know, I got hired because, uh, I wasn't, I probably couldn't have gotten many jobs in the nation 
uh, when I got hired in 2006, but because I was really successful in the Blacksburg area when the Virginia Tech job got op- opened up, I was a name that everybody was that they was familiar with. Um, but there's some, you I mean there's some high school coaches out there to be quite honest that could out coach some some of the coaches we've got in Division One programs here right now. So yeah, I think it was the best apprenticeship I ever had. It really forced me to break to learn so much about you know being a wrestling coach, everything from promotions to to dealing with parents, to just everything. You, you know, high school coach has to do it all. I mop mats, I move mats. Yeah. I've done wash towels. Uh, I've done it all. I've ran youth programs. I've ran middle school programs. I've run uh, club trips. I've uh, you know I've done everything that you you can do <laughs> in, in the sport of wrestling. I can promise you that. Yeah, ran little league tournaments the whole nine. I'm sure. Yeah. 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 What when? What do you think? Maybe what's one or two things that you learned from the high school coaching that that's helped you develop winners at the Division One level? I think understanding, um, uh, probably understanding just the whole the whole gamut. You know, I think uh, you know, especially coming from Iowa, coming from Iowa. You know, I just assumed when I got to high school that. Somebody always had the mat ready to go, and somebody always <laughs> mopped the mat, and somebody taped the mat, and, and, the, and the uniforms were washed. Stuff was and, waiting uh, for you in your locker room, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then I got to, you know, Virginia Tech's probably more of a normal college wrestling program than a lot of them. And, you know, even at Virginia Tech, we had to do a lot of things on our own. We had to make sure the mat was ready to go for a match. I mean, crazy it was that we were in charge of lining up somebody to get the mat out there. Um, you know, I'm sure they don't have that problem at Iowa, uh, but <laughs> you know, we not. had to learn. We had to learn how to. I mean, I had to learn how to do everything. So when I got to college, all those little things that contribute to making a program were you know, I understood, and uh, you know, I understood. You know, you know, competing in in the summer probably better than college coaches did. Um, I think they all understood that, but they were probably all more in camp systems. I really had a regimented summer training for my guys when I was a high school coach. And uh, so it was important for me to have some regimen in the summer that besides just having guys show up for camp sessions. Yeah. It's always, I mean, I coached in junior college. I think it's very much like high school, you know, where you have to do everything. Like you said, you know, and you don't have even like, you know, workout gear where you just turn it in and get your new role the next day. So, yeah, I think starting at the bottom like that, the word apprenticeship is really interesting, and that sticks out to me. Um, I want to get into Virginia Tech, but for, before I jump to that, can you give me just a quick history of your time in high school at, at Grundy and Christiansburg? You know, how many state championships as a team? You know, how many state placers, you know, state champions, all that kind of stuff uh, did did your athletes accomplish while you were the coach, the coach there? Well, I was at uh... – Grundy from 88 to 96 okay. to 1996, and uh, that was eight years. Like I said, they had really had a, pro- a strong program when I got there. They had already won a couple state titles. So I piggybacked. Uh, I was there eight years, and we won eight state titles. and Probably more uh, – uh, more, something more that I really valued was is that we had a couple – my last couple years in Grundy, we had two teams that were top ten in the nation. And then I went to Christiansburg, started all over. Uh, thought I was ready to get out of uh, coaching. Long story short, left coaching for a little bit, came back to Iowa, got a real job, and decided to go back to um, coaching again. And so I started at Christiansburg, which was completely different than Grundy. No youth program, much of a youth program, and not much of a middle school program, not much of a high school program. An older gentleman that kept the program going. And so 
I jumped in there and took a lot of what I learned to Grundy and we got, uh, we got it going and I was there 10 years and we finished third and we finished second in, in, in Virginia, I think three times. And then my last five years there, we won it. I brought in a really good assistant coach, Daryl Weber, who took it from there and they're yeah. still winning state titles at Christiansburg. Um, and then I got a call in 2006 after 10 years at Christiansburg at the Virginia Tech job, um, that they were interested in me and I went over and they offered me the job and, and obviously I just left there in, in March and was there for 11 seasons or 10 and three quarter seasons and, um, had a great, you know, what it was a great experience and, and a, a great challenge and, and had a lot of fun at Virginia Tech. Yeah. Yeah. And Tony Roby's a guy who's been a friend of mine back when I coached, you know, he was, you know, great recruiter works, he worked hard. You know, I know you guys had a very, very good, positive, you know, mutually respectful relationship. And I had him on my podcast in the fall and he talked about how, you know, what the amount of team points you guys originally scored when you took over. So for people that are just kind of, you know, maybe recent history guys and know how well Virginia Tech's is doing when you guys took over, how bad was the program? Well, we didn't have, you know, we, we had some great guys, individuals that were guys that, you know, that, uh, that, uh, were, were kind of the kind of guys you'd want to pal around with, but they probably didn't have the same, well, not probably, they didn't have the same kind of drive and, and, uh, just toughness that what needed to, to happen at, at the, this level to be good. So, you know, we didn't hear, didn't inherit a lot of great wrestlers. Um, some really good guys, but not great wrestlers. So zero points the first year, zero points the second year. I think our third year we scored a half a point at the NCAA tournament. So it took us three years to win one match at the NCAA tournament. I, I think we qualified. Roby was we so qualified maybe. I think the most we'd ever qualified was two guys until our fourth year. Yeah, he said you guys won one backside match that third year, and you guys yep. were really excited about it because you were off yep. the very bottom line of the scoring. <laughs> yeah, first time it took us three years to get out of last place. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> so, what do you think started turning the tide to go from that to getting, you know, more qualifiers and obviously more guys on the podium? What was that process like? Well, it's, you know, obviously recruiting is important, and the people that you bring around. I mean, uh, hiring Tony was a great pickup for Virginia Tech, and. I hired some other coaches that did a really good job for us. Nate Yetzer, I mean, one certain David Hoffman, Kurt Backus, um, geez, we had Lance Palmer for a year, um, Eric Morrill. You know, we had, we hired some guys that did a really good job in the room and, and, um, the combination of good recruiting, we recruited well and found some guys under the radar because we couldn't go after blue chip guys because they weren't going to, they weren't going to entertain us. So we had to go find those guys that were maybe the one, like Ty Walls was a one time state champ, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, guys like Pete Yates, who is a two-time state champ, I think, or three-time state champ, but he's out of Georgia. Right. You know, never, you know, not many people were recruiting Georgia kids. A kid like Jesse Dong, who was a one-time state champ out of Ohio. Jared, Gerard Garnett, who was a two-time state champ out of Delaware, you know. Guys that weren't big-time blue-chip guys, but were, were really good wrestlers that were just maybe a notch under the radar. And, yeah. Uh, that, those guys helped us. Yeah. And you bring up a couple names. I remember watching Garnett wrestling at Virginia Beach, you know, thinking, you know, if this guy gets in the right program, he could be good. And I had a chance to visit um, Cleveland a couple weeks ago. I'm I'm doing some things up there with the national tournament and got a chance to go see the St. Ed's room. And, you know, a guy like Ty Walls coming out of a program like that. And, you know, you guys helped them continue that streak of how many years they've had 
you know, a division one all American. It's, uh, it's, pr- it's pretty impressive. You know, the guys, like you said, the guys that you've had, and I'm, you know, I'm guessing it's like everybody else. And once you start getting these, it's like a chicken and the egg, you know, it's hard to win without the best recruits. Um, but the best recruits don't want to come till you start winning. So you, you kind of had to develop those guys, like you're saying. Um, I, I kind of know what I think, but what are some of the highlights that you will always remember from your time at Virginia Tech? Well, you know, winning the first time he won the ACC tournament. Uh, the first time he won the ACC tournament was great. Um, I remember beating um, Oklahoma State in a dual meet, I think our fourth or fifth year at, at the national duels at the UNI. Uh, beating Wisconsin, uh, in the, we beat Oklahoma State in the quarters and beat Wisconsin in the semis. Uh, that was some highlights. Obviously, getting the top ten, uh, I think five, six years ago, we got in the top ten, we cracked the top ten. And then last year in New York City, getting the trophy, you know, getting top four in the nation uh, uh, was was a great way to cap it off. And, I mean, I don't – just the – the you know the thousands of hours and blood sweat and tears that went into something like that I you know I'm guessing that's something that'll just you know those kind of moments will stay with you for the rest of your life I mean I, I see those team pictures and you know I, I don't know you and you've been kind to me but we're not friends or anything and I see the smile on your face in those pictures and um, you can tell that that's the culmination of a lot of work and a lot of people believing in you guys and your process. Absolutely. It takes a lot of people uh, to, to put together a, a championship program or a championship team. There's no question. Uh, a lot of people. And so um, it was it, it's very gratifying. And, uh, you know, I like I like journeys. And, and that was a, that Virginia Tech was a great journey. Yeah. And, and that kind of leads to the next step. Um, you know, I, like I said, I went to Iowa State, and, you know, so it's and I'm, I'm friends with Kevin Jackson. I actually. His brother and I were roommates when we were freshmen, and Kevin was still there. Um, I like Kevin a lot, uh, you know. I, but I, I want to see Iowa State, you know, be as good as they can. You know, I'm supposed to be neutral in this job, but you know, when you went to a place, it's important to you. So, you know, kind of walk me through the hiring process at Iowa State, and and how hard was it to leave Virginia Tech? Well, short answer uh, first, uh, it was very hard. Uh, it was a great place that treated me well um you know my kids grew up in blacksburg in the blacksburg area so it was tough it was it was a really hard choice ultimately the the attractiveness and the tra- of the tradition of the iowa state program and just growing up in the area and i mean i went to my first college matches were watching iowa state in the early 70s you know west oklahoma and oklahoma state packed packed gyms or packed arenas yeah. Uh, Coliseum. And, uh, Coliseum. So that was my, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that was where I saw my first college match was at Hilton Coliseum and it was packed. And, and so that, all those memories kind of came flooding back. And then, you know, the athletic director, it starts with the guy that runs the show and just the, you know, the, the punch list of things that he said, okay, you know, I, I said, I need this. Okay, here you go. And then I said, I need this. And he said, okay, here you go. And, so we just kept going down the list. I said, if I'm going to make this move, this is my last, my last hurrah. I got to know that we're on the same page and you've got my back and I've got your back. And, and, uh, we really kind of had a heart to heart with what we needed to do to, to make this thing work. And so we're going to give it a whirl. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to ask you what all the things were on that list, but, um, I mean, was it a thing where, you know, you, there was originally some interest. 
and then it was almost a surprise, like how much they were willing to support you? Or did you kind of like from the start, did you kind of feel like this is probably going to happen? No, I think it was just an interest at first. You know, we were in the heart of the season or we were down to get down to the end of the season. And so I got a phone call and, um, you know, we started talking a little bit and then the phone call went to another phone call and then we're going to, we want to fly out and come see you. And, you know, we're coming to see you. We're not interviewing you. We're offering you the job. So I knew that they were getting serious when they were, you know, when they <laughs> chose to fly, when they chose to fly out to see me. Yeah. So, usually um, when people bring contracts, they're pretty serious, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, the Iowa State folks flew out here and came to my house and wanted to meet my family and pulled my kids out of school. Uh, the athletic director said, "Can I get your kids out of school?" So we got my kids out of school. And, um, you know, we had a we sat down and talked for a couple hours. Just uh, some key people from Iowa State. You know, he brought the football coach, and uh, it was a unique kind of out of the box way to to uh, offer somebody a job. And, and you know, I still at that time had a lot to think about you know I wasn't uh I didn't like they didn't leave and I said yeah I'm taking a job I had a lot of thinking to do there's I had to get my family on my side and you know really think about it because it was it's a big move yeah you weren't unhappy in Blacksburg at all right coach no absolutely not no great people great everything so it's interesting you, like I said these things always pop up and they're not what you anticipate the, the first of all the athletic director is, is Jamie Conrad is that correct Jamie Pollard. Jamie Pollard. I'm sorry. Jamie Pollard. So he's the one that came out there and he pulled your kids out of school. So, I mean, basically he's recruiting you and the family. So, I mean, I'm super interested as a guy. I mean, you're, you're normally, you're on the other side of that. You're the one recruiting. What was it like to be recruited and to watch really your kids be recruited? I think it's like anybody. I mean, it's flattering when somebody comes after you and goes after you hard. Uh, But once the um, once the so-called flattery or the honeymoon part of it's over, you have to sit down and look at it on paper, just like we do with recruits. Is okay. It's now what what's it going to be like when I get there? When 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 all the hugging and kissing's over with, what's it going to be like when I get there? And uh, and so that's what we you know that's what I ultimately had to sit down and brainstorm. And it took me a good week and a half to figure that out. What were your kids' impressions about getting pulled out of school and that kind of thing? I mean, I, that's got to be unusual for them, right? Oh, it was different. Yeah, there's no question. They were um, they were um, taken back a little bit. I mean, you know, my 15 year old son just the idea of getting out of school was cool. With him, so. <laughs> you get to skip history class. He was happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you know this, and I know this, that Iowa State has had such a long history of success. Um, how has that helped you so far in, in getting this thing up and running so quickly? I think the, the biggest help is the fans have really got a, uh, and obviously we have to deliver right now, but the fans are really are kind of uh, engaged right now and re-energized. And, and that's something that was big for me coming in. That's one of, a big goal for me is to put put some people in Hilton again that are really, uh, you know, see something that, that, that obviously we're not going to be great right away but see something that's turning and, and something that's exciting to watch and, and get those thousands of people to show back up because they're there. It's such a, it's such a really well-educated state that people, that's everywhere you go. People just know, the, know wrestling. It's just, uh, it's, it's amazing to, if you're a wrestler in Iowa, you're, everybody knows who you are. Yeah. And so um, getting, getting Hilton Coliseum jumping again is something that I, I can close my eyes and see happen uh, really easy. 
And, uh, you know, look at the people that have wrestled there. I mean, you got Gable, you got Sanderson, you got Nate Carr, you got, oh my gosh, you go on and on and on with just all of the great guys that have wrestled there. So they appreciate, you know, for guys, they appreciate great wrestlers. So, you know, we're just looking for that next Kale Sanderson like everybody else, but we know when we find that guy that, the, that, that they're going to really be treated well by our, by our Cyclone fans. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, one of the things I think we were all watching and really wanted to see how it went was your handling of re-recruiting and maintaining the roster um, at Iowa State. I mean, obviously the cupboard's not bare there. You know, and there were guys that committed, and, you know, you kept a lot of them, and some of them went in a dirt from direction. What What was your mentality and approach to that situation? You know, I, we came in, a couple guys that already asked for releases and wanted releases, and, um, yeah, you know, obviously I wanted to get in front of as many people as I could um, and, and just let them hear what we were going to do. But, you know, some people had already uh, made relationships with other college coaches, and there was talking going on, so we probably didn't get to everybody we wanted to get to. But for the most part, I think we did a pretty good job of, of uh, saving the day for some of the guys that had signed. And then it was a matter of just getting to know the guys, the team and getting those guys uh, reprogrammed a little bit. And, uh, you know, they had relationships with the old coaching staff, good relationships because they're all good people. Right. And so it, we knew, you know, you knew my, 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 th- my first meeting with the team was, I used the word bumpy a lot. If it's going to be bumpy here for a little bit, I think I even said that at the NCAA tournament when I met with the fan base. I mean, it's crazy. Iowa State, I think, scored one point at the Nationals, but they had, over 200 people at their celebration, the, you know, the post-tournament celebration in St. Louis, and that's what I said. I said it's, it's going to be bumpy here for a while. It's going to be, you know, we got to, we, you're going to have to get used to us, and we're going to have to get used to you, and um, you're going to have to trust us, and we're going to do the best job we can. And uh, I think that's the message that uh, kind of kind of transcends from the recruits to the fan base. Were you? When you, you know, when you got done with it and you saw who you retained and, you know, who you let go, were you overall, I shouldn't say were you because you can answer yes or no, but how did you feel about how it went? Um, you know, I hadn't, uh, to be quite honest, I hadn't, you know, the, when I got hired, I hadn't really studied the, the recruits that, uh, that they had signed. And so as soon as I got hired, I started studying them. So, yeah, you know, we lost a kid from Minnesota and Maryland that I would have liked to got. But they were out the door kind of before I got there. I had one conversation with a couple conversations with the Maryland kid, not even a conversation with the Minnesota kid. His dad was already, you know, not letting him talk, and he was going somewhere else. Um, so, but I knew that coming in. I knew that there, we weren't going to keep everybody. You know, when when you have a coaching change, you give people everybody's all up in arms and give people a chance a chance to go jump ship. And so, um, you know, a couple of them, I think if they were, you know, they really probably weren't as sold on Iowa State as, as, uh, as, you know, some of the ones that did stay. So, you know, ultimately I want people to want to be here. Yeah. So I wasn't, I wasn't on my hands and knees, let me tell you. If you don't want to be here and you're kind of <laughs> thinking you maybe don't want to be here, then guess what? I don't want you here. If you're, if you don't want to be here and you're not excited coming through the door, and, you know, I think we've got maybe one or two guys that are probably still in that boat, to be quite honest. And, you know, my message to anybody is, and, and I think we got just, we had a great summer with our guys, but, uh, you know, this is, you got to come in the door wanting to be here and excited and, and trust the leadership. Uh, I can tell you going to the University of Iowa, not one day did I walk in that room thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not sure about this. Um, you know, I was all in both feet. 
uh, even some things I didn't like to hear and some weaknesses pointed out, uh, I, I swallowed my pride and, and got in there and, and went forward and, and corrected them. And uh, that's what we've got to do. And, and uh, you know, we got to continue to do that. But for the most part, it's been very good. Yeah, I, I, I hope I didn't imply I thought you had ever been on your hands and knees begging, begging guys. I, that's the last thing that ever would have crossed my mind <laughs> with, with the limited amount that I know you. So, um, what are the short and long-term goals that you have for the program, Coach? And you know, I mean, do you have a timeline in mind? I mean, obviously, it's to ultimately win a national title, but do you have sort of some mile markers between here and there that you're trying to accomplish? No, I'm not. You know, I'm not one to make predictions. Uh, you know, a lot of factors recruiting fall into that. Uh, uh, you know, I say you got to be good. Uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to get in the podium as an individual, you got to be really good. You've got to. Uh, have you know a little bit of luck on your side sometimes when you're young, um, and you got to be healthy. And so we've got to you know the same thing goes if we want to be good as a team, we've got to get good. And so that means we've got to develop guys in the room, and that's we got to recruit well, and we got to develop kids. That's the secret right there. And I don't have a timeline for that. Um, um, uh, yeah, obviously we want to win. You know, I didn't take this job to get second place. Uh, I want to try to win a national title before they put me in the ground. And I got to think I've got a great. A support cast of people because it's it's not Kevin Dresser, it's uh, Mike Zadick, it's Brent Metcalf, it's Derek St. John, it's Jamie Pollard, it's people in our academic support, it's people in our video, it's my director of operations, it's it's uh, you know it just keeps it's the fans, you know, it's it's the it's the donors, it's it's you know to win a national championship you got to have a, a army. Of people to all pull in the same direction. That's my job. Is my job is to keep building the army. Yeah, for sure. And you know, you actually kind of led me into what I was going to ask next. You know, that you quickly established established a really unbelievable coaching staff with with Mike Zadig, Derek St. John, Brett Metcalf, um, and you've coached next to you know at least two of those guys. I know. Tell me what each of those guys bring to the program from your point of view. Mike uh, is really special. He brings a genuine love for his athletes, no matter if you're the 35th best guy in the team or you're the first best guy in the team. His consistency and his uh, the way he works with guys, his consistency in terms of the expectations of what he expects out of the first toughest guy in the team and the 35th guy is impressive. It, it impressed me right away. Uh, Derek's very... Um, Straight shooting, you, you get what you see, tough as heck, loves to teach wrestling, um, has a probably, because he's the youngest, has improved, you know, more than any Mike or myself in terms of coaching because he started out young. Um, and he's only been doing this about three or four years, but, you know, I've seen him individually put his hands on a couple guys and put him, put him on the podium himself while he was at Virginia Tech in two years. Um, Brent, I'm getting to know. I love, obviously his toughness and his documented, well documented, but what I've seen just in three months is his, um, just kind of a normal guy away from the room and brings an energy and, uh, pot, just, he's just, he's a really positive guy all the time. He's super upbeat. Um, he's kind of that energizer bunny guy, but he's also can just be, you know, Brent Metcalf and throw you down and, call you out and, and and tear your head off if you need to, you know. So, um, but just a really good demeanor. And um, so, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed with what I've got. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you're blessed, but you you made that happen. So um, it seemed to me from the outside looking in that you, I, I want to say either understand or really are stressing the importance of having a regional training center there and having a prominent regional training center there. Um, I, I'm friends, you know, Willie Gadsden was a, a really good friend of mine and one of my mentors. So I'm friends with Kyvin and I saw that, you know, he's recently, you know, is an RTC athlete there. What, what do you, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What, what do you see as the role of an RTC in general? And how do you specifically see it helping Iowa State wrestling? Well, I think if you want to compete at the highest level, you better have a pretty good RTC anymore. Uh, look at the schools that are women and look at the amount of postgraduate guys they've got in the room. And those postgraduate guys serve two purposes. Um, it's it's great for recruiting because the best high school kids want to train with the best kids in the nation. And then also the best high school kids want to be able to go to a school where they can uh, reach their uh, NCAA Division One college goals, and they also want to go to a school where a lot of them want to go to school where they can reach their international Olympic goals. So uh, what we're putting together at Ames is probably what some other people are trying to put together, but we want to put the best one-stop shop uh, available that we can, and, and uh, that's the importance of the RTC and, and why we're growing it and why we're continuing to grow it and why we're hiring guys and hiring more guys, and, and uh, we've got a plan to it, and ultimately we want to get it. You know, we'd like to have 10 to 12 guys in the RTC. We've got three right now, three paid guys, and uh, that. but, you know, it's like everything else. It's building. We just don't go out and buy 10 guys out of 10 guys. we got to have the right you got to have the right kind of guys in there, and if we don't, we'll get rid of them, but uh, that's the goal. Yeah, and it, 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 the RTCs are interesting. I mean, um, I'm friends with Mark Jr. and friends with Coach Guerrero, and, you know, those guys have made the jumps to those spots, respectively, in Iowa and Oklahoma. And, you know, it, it is pretty clear that, you know, like you know, you're mentioning the top programs right now and their RTCs, it's, it's undeniable that those are connected. Um, I, I had to ask you privately if it was okay to ask you about this. So, and you were kind enough to say, yeah. So, um, your salary is obviously public information as well as the salaries of your assistant and RTC coaches. And Iowa State's obviously committed to success financially. Yeah, how do you feel like your coaching salary and that of your staff is going to impact NCAA wrestling as a whole? And do you have any concerns at all about their uh, haves versus have nots situation being created? Well, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't think to answer your last question first, the haves and the have nots, I think to a certain degree happen all the time in all sports. I don't think uh, Alabama has the same, I mean, I think Alabama probably has more resources uh, in terms of staff. And um, if you if you dig deep, then probably the average Division One football school. So I think that's always going to be the haves and the have nots. I hope what this did was, and I, I see it happening already, was I hope that by Jamie Pollard stepping up and, really investing in wrestling that other people will do that. Um, and, and you'll, and I've seen that already at the RTC level. I think we, we lit a powder keg and, and people, uh, you know, Iowa state definitely got people's attention. I don't think there's any denying that. Um, uh, you know, I think, I think it's good. I think we work our butts off as coaches. And so sure. I'm not embarrassed to go out and, and go for big salaries. And I know, and, and we shouldn't, and, and, and I think, you know, athletic directors are starting to note that, Hey, if we want to compete, we got to invest in this sport. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, 
um, you know, I've got, I, I, I told Jamie, I said, I want to make sure we pay our coaches a lot because they're good, number one, and I don't want nobody to steal them, number two. And so we, we put the. I like the second put, one a lot, coach. <laughs> yeah, so we raised, we put the bar up there high, so if you want to come get them, you're going to have to pay each one of them a million dollars a year. How's that sound, right? <laughs> If any of them are unhappy, let me know. I'd be happy to step yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's it's awesome. I mean, you look at I can tell that you know you look at the you look at this not just from the pure wrestling point of view, but you know building the program and involving the community and understanding the business part of it too. Um, there's really no good segue to this next question, but ever since this happened, I've wanted to ask you about it. Um, you know, a couple of years ago when Virginia Tech was supposed to wrestle Iowa in the national duels and it didn't happen and uh, your oranges comment came out, I just I, I, I'd really like to know, you know, what are your memories of that? Why do you think the duel didn't happen? And how much do you think that that comment, you know, may have changed people's, you know, raised your profile and, you know, the maybe created more uh, more eyes on Virginia Tech program as a whole? Well, that was that was uh, first and foremost uh, probably a knee-jerk reaction that got me in trouble a little bit because I got. But I think what it shows is that I'm, I am a fiery, passionate guy, and so if you're gonna if you're gonna hoodoo me, if you're gonna maybe screw me, and that might be too harsh of a word, but there was a lot of monkey business going on, and so I I probably overreacted a little bit, and but that's the, where we come from, and I think there's a lot of other my peers out there would be the same way that would. Uh, if, if, if you, you just basically calling somebody out or calling calling maybe the system out and it wasn't anybody one individual that that uh, it was a, it probably a combination of things that made that thing so such a hot topic. Um, did it help Virginia Tech? I don't know if it helped Virginia Tech. My ED at Virginia Tech didn't think it helped very good because he put call me in, into his office, chewed me out for it. So <laughs> I don't know if it helped him any, but. Uh, it definitely got us out there that we weren't afraid to go wrestle anybody anywhere at any time. And I think it, I think it was a huge motivator for my team at Nationals. I think we as a coaching staff did a good job of putting a little bit of a chip on our shoulder when we went into New York City. And I think we wrestled like it. Like you guys, you know, we, we got, we got put in the back burner and we're going to show you we're not in the back burner. So, uh, however, you know, in this coaching world, you got to figure out angles sometimes to, to, to rally the troops, and I'm not saying that was our number one battle cry back then, but our guys felt like they were they were uh, maybe hoodooed a little bit. Yeah, a little disrespect, you know, that kind of thing, yeah. Well, and obviously now you're going to get to duel those guys every year. So, I mean, is that is – that, I shouldn't say is – I mean, how do you feel about that? I, I have to imagine that once you get this program up and running, it's it's got to be one of those dates that you really circle on the calendar. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? And I respect the heck out of what what's going on in Iowa City. That's but I mean, there's there's a, there's only let's face there's only a few programs in the nation that are the gold standard. And if you're competing with Iowa and Tom and Terry Brands, you're doing a great job because those guys got it going on. They know what the heck's going on. Uh, they're fiery little dudes, and and uh, they're always going to put a good product out there, a tough product. And that's what we got to get to, you know. And then then in 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 the real gold standard is those Nittany Lions. And that's who everybody's shooting for. But yeah, in, in state and being an Iowa thing, uh, that Iowa State dual meet's always going to be be a circled event for for the Iowa folks. Yeah, and I mean, I think it'd be you know great for the sport of wrestling and great for the sport of wrestling in Iowa if that duel becomes one where 
you know, you don't know who's going to win. And there's a bunch of top 10, top five matchups, you know, in, in multiple weight classes. So, right. uh, coach, I really appreciate your time. And what else, is there anything else you'd like the listeners to know about Iowa state, about the future, you know, anything, you know, that, that I didn't do a good job of asking you about that you'd like to let the audience know about? Nope. Just, uh, buy your season tickets, <laughs> buy your season tickets, $85. We got a lot of home matches this year. So buy your season tickets. And if you're, if you're excited to donate to a good cause, the Cyclone Regional Training Center is, is a, a great cause for those Iowa State fans that haven't heard about it. So I'm plugging my two, two, uh, entities right there. But, uh, we just started selling season tickets, I think a couple of weeks ago and I heard they're going great. So let's we're walk, just excited to get. Yeah. Let's walk through that. Who's on your schedule and how do people buy tickets? Um, I guess you just go to the Iowa State. It's terrible. I don't know exactly the Iowa State Athletics website. I'm sure if you just Google sure. that, you can find Iowa State Wrestling. You can buy season tickets. Um, okay. Uh, we don't have um, – we've got – we're home seven or eight times this year. Obviously, Iowa at home, uh, Oregon State. Um, Drexel's coming in, former Iowa State guy. Uh, as the veto coaches there. Yeah. yeah. Some schools that are in our con- – in our you know, Big 12, like Northern Colorado, Wyoming – um, so it's a little different schedule. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are away. North Dakota State, South Dakota State are away. We're going to go to Vegas. Uh, we're going to go to Virginia Duels. So we're excited. We get a good, we get a good, uh, get a good dose of everybody. Not a lot of Big Ten teams, but it's hard to get Big Ten teams on your schedule because they're so, so tied up with their Big Ten schedule. It's really hard for them to get out and do much. Yeah, well, you'll see those guys at those other tournaments you spoke about. So as far as yeah. people that want to be involved with the Cyclone Regional Training Center, I assume if they just Google that, there's probably, a, you know, a website with the Cyclone, CycloneRTC.org. Yep, CycloneRTC.org. And you can uh, learn more about our athletes, our coaches, how you can contribute. Um, good site, up and running, brand new. It's got your fingerprints all over it, I'm sure, Coach. So it's got my administrative assistant, <laughs> Robin Wilson's fingerprints all over it. So, yeah. So indirectly yours. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Coach, I really appreciate the time today. It, it's uh, it's been a pleasure getting to know you over the last week, trying to get this scheduled. And, um, you know, I really wish you and your coaching staff and your athletes the best of luck this season. All right. I appreciate you, David. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the head coach of Iowa State University, Kevin Dresser. This is David Miracatani with Matt Chat. We'll speak to you next week. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.